Welcome to a new episode of Talking Rivals, a weekly show exploring everything about the best bleep in rivalry in baseball, co-hosted by Patrick covering the Boston Red Sox and myself covering the New York Yankees. And remember, you can follow the show on Twitter at Talking Rivals. You can find us on the web at TalkingRivals.com. You can also find Patrick on Twitter at Patrick Trotty. You can find myself at CP7NY. You could also find our podcast wherever you find your podcast at Spotify, Amazon, Apple, Google, and iHeartRadio. And you could also find us at Sportswire Radio at sportinarium.com backslash player. And you could follow the station manager there, Thomas Bryce at Thomas Bryce 2017 for all the scheduling of all the other great shows on Sportswire Radio. So, Patrick, another interesting week goes by for us. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> For for both both teams, both of our teams, it's kind of a couple steps forward and then a couple steps backwards, and it's the, like you said, the whole AL East is, I mean, other than Tampa Bay's crazy start, the rest of the, I mean, everyone's over five hundred right now. Yeah, uh, it's basically what we kind of thought of right before the season started. I, you yeah. know, I know. Maybe Boston a little bit lower than everybody, but we all thought they were going to be all good teams this year. Yeah. It's, um, and, you know, there's just broke news that uh, Brian Bayo is going to be optioned to AAA. So I know Red Sox fans aren't going to like that. Um, I don't understand it. I don't either. I mean, they could have went with a six-man rotation. I know it's going to be sailed tonight in Baltimore. How Corey Kluber is still getting starts is beyond me, but that's tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, Wednesday is Tanner Houck. And then after that, I mean, you still have Whitlock and Pavetta, but uh, Corey Kluber's 0-4 with an 8.5 ERA. Wow. And they demoted Bayo. I know you have money invested in, in Kluber, but why not send him to the bullpen, see if he can get right in, a, in like a mop-up duty for a little bit? Right. And keep sending Bayo out there. Because to me, he's the one, other than Sale, Bayo is the one with top end potential. Right. It's just, yeah. He obviously hasn't put it together yet, but I don't think he's going to learn anything new in AAA. No, definitely not. He's proven himself down there already. You know, this is almost like the Peraza with us yeah. sending him down. It made no sense. You know, he's done what he can in AAA. There's nothing else. What about, um, Instead of would instead of sending down Bayo, why not maybe start Kluber and use him almost as an opener because he's good. Is he good through the first time around, or is he just bad from he's from the get go? Bad all around. But I, I see what you're saying. You could get away with using one of these guys as an opener, or when Paxton comes back, move him to the bullpen. Right. Um, I know they could move. There was talk about moving Nick Pavetta to the bullpen, but he's been, I don't know. I, I think this goes back to the construction of the roster, which is a larger point because the, all these pitchers have their, have middle, middle of the rotation screaming all over them. I mean, Pavetta is what he is at this point. He's, He's a guy that just eats up innings. Same thing with Kluber. Right. If you're lucky with Kluber. Yeah. Because in four starts, he's pitched, what, 18 innings? Yeah. That's like a four-inning start. Four-plus yep. innings. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's not good. Kluber looks. I mean, I think he's topping out at eighty eight. Hmm. On this fastball, so yeah, he's got to be he's got to be precise with his off speed stuff and. And look, he's a veteran pitcher. He knows how to throw, but and it's not all in the numbers. But eighty-eight miles an hour, he, he's got to be living right on the edges, and everything has to be perfect for him to get by. Right. But but you did get a good start from uh, Sale this this week, right? Yeah, yeah. They uh, it was a, eleven strikeouts, a couple of walks, but nothing big, and. Uh, yeah, he's looking to build off of that and get another good start tonight in Baltimore. And it's a good it's going to be a good series cuz Baltimore's got a good scrappy young team and and the Red Sox right now are still in the basement so they're looking up and everyone's over 500. So other than the Rays, no one's really kind of moving up like you said. It was it's going to come down to whoever has that bad couple weeks gets knocked out yeah yeah i don't think any team could recover from a bad two three week you know or a month forget it you know uh because then if if you do have that those bad two weeks you're gonna have to be you know super hot the next two weeks like nine out of ten hot and you you, it's gonna be really tough to do that unless you're playing the weaker part of your schedule and Exactly. Right. Because otherwise, if you're going into a divisional game, you know, you're not sweeping these guys. You might take two out of three if you're lucky. But yeah. Um, yeah. So how did the rest of the week go with you guys? The week ended up really well. It was um, uh, they had a nine run eighth inning in Milwaukee last, yesterday afternoon. Yoshida hit two home runs in the eighth inning, a grand slam and a solo home run. Um, they won. 12 to 12 to five. Mm-hmm. So they, were, they were losing, obviously. They jumped out to a lead and they kind of gave it up, but they, they came back and scored nine in the eighth. So they salvaged the series. Um, on Saturday, they lost five to four. It's a tough game. Whitlock, Whitlock hasn't looked great. Um, he, his ERA is over six albeit in a couple of starts, but, but on Friday they won and Verdugo hit a home run. And, you know, I, I said that they weren't going to win a series for a while. And of course <laughs> they won a series <laughs> two out of three more and Milwaukee's Milwaukee's a good team. Yeah. Um, I mean, they beat Peralta and they lost to Miley and then they won a bullpen game on the third day. So, you know, not it was bad. a good series. Anytime you can take two out of three against a team that's as uh, as with their record as far as Milwaukee, that's a good series. And then against Minnesota, um, they won the first game in 10 innings. Verdugo hit the walk-off um, single. And Verdugo, by the way, is quietly – <laughs> um, he's having a hell of a start. Yeah, he's hot right now. <laughs> yeah. And there's talk about trying to extend him, try to get him. I heard one, like a couple of different Red Sox Twitter accounts that I follow that are usually pretty good and pretty close to accurate on most of these things said they were talking about five years, 75 million. If you get a, if you can get a starting outfielder, 
top your order guy for that price, I would do that. Oh, absolutely. He's worth it. Yeah. And then Wednesday they lost to the Twins, but uh, they they rebounded and they won the Thursday game. So they won both series, two out of three. <laughs> Pretty amazing. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> the Thursday game was Hauk's best game. They gave up a couple runs late, but that didn't matter. I think Hauk went. That was like the second or third quality start this year, and that's it. But Hauk went seven innings, three earned runs, seven strikeouts. Um, another surprise has been Jaron Duran. I, I know I joke about him a lot. I kind of lumped him in with Bobby Dahlbeck, but he's um, look maybe he's twenty six, so maybe he just got it. The the light just kind of turned on late, you know. Could but be. You never know. In in a, in a short sample size, he's batting three ninety one, six RBIs, two stolen bases, and he's getting better defensively. Hmm. I mean, his speed allows him to make up for, you know, not being a center fielder his whole life. Right. So, yeah. So I would say this week has been pretty good for the Red Sox. They took four out of six, both series, and uh, it's on to next week. Uh, how'd you guys do? Oh, it was like a mixed uh, mixed bag. Um they started off taking two out of three against the Angels. They lost the first one, five to two, with Schmidt starting. Not good. But then we took the next the next two, one on a walk-off win. Um, and then we won the the rubber game, uh, the third game, uh, 9-3 behind uh, Cortez pitching. And then we got Toronto in town, lost the first game six to one with Herman pitching. Came back and won the second game, three to two on a walk off, with uh, um, Cole pitching. Uh, that was a really good one. You had Manoa. That was a good Manoa versus Cole matchup. Uh, Cole pitched great. They went, you know, zero for zero over the first six innings. Um, and then um, Peralta actually blew the uh, the save for them. Uh, gave up two runs to uh, to tie it, right? Or was it one run? I think two runs to tie it. But uh, but we ended up walking it off in the ninth inning. Um, is that, yeah, is that, that was Saturday. Yep, that was Saturday's game. Um, and then yesterday's game, uh, they ended up losing six five five to one. Uh, Schmidt Schmidt was doing pretty good. Until um, what was it? The fifth inning, I think. It was the fifth or the sixth inning. Yeah, uh, he, I know he pitched pretty pretty clean ball through at least four innings. Yeah, first five, and then the sixth inning, he got the first couple of guys out, and then um, ground ball to Volpe. Volpe couldn't come up with it cleanly, an error, and then a two run home run by uh, uh, Guerrero, which he definitely loved. <laughs> but uh the the big story he's probably this walking around the bases now yeah he's uh yeah he's he takes his time yeah definitely and he his hands are moving a lot and doing stuff he's whatever we'll, we'll get into the guerrero stuff <laughs> in a minute yeah <laughs> definitely um but i i felt better about schmidt pitching you know first five innings it looked great and then the sixth inning 
after the era, you know, he gave up the two run home run. And so he gave up three unarmed runs in, in the game. Um, but the big story it, for the, for the Yankees, especially this week, and they're, they're not scoring runs. It's as simple as that. I think in the last 10 games, they've scored three runs or less eight times. Um, and that's, that's not good. And when you, you know, when you look at the rest of the team offensively, you know, like pitching is they're, they're doing great. Even with Schmidt pitching bad up until this last start and Herman giving you mixed, uh, you know, mixed review games and the pitching is fine. You know, we could live with the pitching. Pitching is is keeping us going and keeping us in every game. Basically, it's the offense. I mean, the offense is just pathetic. Um, other than you know, Rizzo's been great all year, but after that, and, and DJ's been solid. He's batting two eighty one. But other than that, Torres has cooled down. Uh, Trevino, you weren't expecting much offense there. Cabrera's been really down too. He's two twenty four. All right, Volpe, I'm not expecting a lot. He's batting one eighty eight now. Uh, judge is only 244. He does have six home runs, but only 11 RBIs. Um, you know, obviously without Stanton, that's 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 yeah, excuse me, that's definitely a huge blow to the lineup. Um, you know, Cordero, obviously, you know him better than me or any other Yankee fan, and we see where he's at now. Yeah, he's cooling um, off, yeah. And I, there's just too much dead weight on this team. You know, and I, I don't understand it. You know, you got Willie Calhoun. I mean, I don't even know why he's playing. He's batting 136. You got Aaron Hicks batting 125. They're not even using him. I think he played once all week this week. You know, I, for me, like here, this is what I would do. I would do one of two things if I'm the Yankees right now. I would either A or one, which one you go. I would do one of two things. I would either play Aaron Hicks every game he would be my regular left fielder and see how he does for the next week or two right until Bader comes back and then you could figure out more but I would play him every single day give him at bats worst case scenario he still stinks and you're still getting nothing from left field right it's normal it's basically what we've been getting best case scenario he gets hot maybe a GM from another team goes hey you know what we could pick him up for a bucket of balls right now they'll pay most of his salary and you know what and maybe we could catch fire with this guy maybe you know he'll do something and we'll get him for nothing and we'll pay him nothing or if you don't want to go that route if if that ship is sailed and they're done with hicks and whatever then you know what bring one bring another kid up from from the minors if it's dunham bring him up if it's bauer he's been super hot down in triple a if one of these guys if Make make the move. Bring one of them up. DFA. You could DFA Calhoun. You could DFA um, Cordero. Either one of those guys. You could D- DFA either one because they're just wasting a roster spot at this point because they're doing absolutely nothing. I'd rather see a kid out there batting 180, but at least giving you 100% and possibly getting something out of them. These guys you're going to get nothing out of. At yeah, I, th- I think Cordero... You, you caught lightning in a bottle for a week or two, and then that's it. Yeah, it's true. So I think Calhoun and yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that it's time to move on. The Hicks thing is going to be harder to do. But... Yeah, I get it. I t- Trust me, I understand that. And you're not going to be able to trade him. But 
I wouldn't I, then if you're not going to make a move with any if you're not going to bring up one of the younger players, then you know what? Play Hicks every single game. You're paying him all this money. He's a switch hitter. Just put him out there. Yeah. The other guys aren't doing nothing anyway. And you know what? Maybe maybe adjustments have been made to Cabrera and now he's got to make adjustments. So, you know what? Maybe use him. I don't want to say I don't want to. I'm not saying bench him, but put him back into that super utility role where he's playing everywhere instead of just in left field, you know, maybe just get his mind more into, okay, I'm a super utility guy. And then the hitting will come, you know, but Cordero and uh, Calhoun are just, they're just wasted. They're just wasted roster spots. So is Hicks, but there's nothing you could do with Hicks, right? Cause you, you can't just trade him to anybody because nobody wants him because they've been trying to trade him for over a year now, maybe two years. So, and you can't cut him because then, you know, the team's not going to eat $30 million or whatever he's owed the next couple of years. So I would just play the guy. If you're not going to bring up a, a young kid, somebody from the minors, then just play him every game. See what happens. The worst they could do is nothing. And that's what you're getting now. So it's, it's no harm, no foul, but at least you tried him. And you know what? Here's another thing that might happen if you play Hicks. He might get hurt because he gets hurt a lot. And you know yes. what? That would... That would be that would be a a blessing in disguise, obviously. So, um, that that's how I, I look at this because the pitching is is okay. You know, I look at the the rotation. Obviously, Cole's having a great start. Cortez also great start. Um, and then the other guys, you know, between Schmidt, Herman, and Brito. Okay, Brito bounced back. I thought that was huge. Um, his next start after he got um, uh, lit up by. Uh, who was it? The Angels or the Twins? The Twins, yeah. The Twins, yeah. Then his next start, I think, it was against the Angels, and he and he pitched really, he pitched really well. So that was big for him to bounce back. And Herman, you know, he's been up and down, uh, pretty good the last couple of starts. So I, I still have hope for him. And Schmidt, his last, you know, yesterday's uh, start was really good, up until the era. Um, but uh, and the bullpen is doing their thing. They're their usual you know, keeping us in every game and doing, you know, obviously I, I don't not hundred percent comfortable with Holmes, but we may have to be right. He may be the closer because there's nobody else right now. You know, I would, I would love to see Loiza could take the job, but he's another guy that's kind of hurt a lot. You know, he's, he misses games. So can you count on him to be the closer if he's going to possibly miss games down the road? So, um, that's another that's for me the weakness in the bullpen is the closer. I know that's a big weakness, but but Holmes can go on a run where the guy's unhittable. But yeah, yeah, no, then we've seen the other way. It. It's just the consistency. Right. You know, last year, the whole first half, he was unhittable. I mean, he was the best closer in baseball. And then the second half, the complete opposite. And then in the playoffs, he looked much better. So if he could just, you know. Like you say, pitch more consistently, when, we'll be all right. Yeah. When is it too soon to, and I know you're asking a lot out of judge, but when is it too soon to start worrying about his average? I don't know. Um, I'd say, I'd say Memorial. He's, I mean, every game I've seen, he's been obviously, I mean, I remember the, was it the, it was the Angels game where he had like three run saving catches <clears throat> and a home run in the same game. Right. So I'm not saying that judge is the reason why you guys are on a losing streak or anything, but because right. I look at 
I look at the lineup and that number sticks out his average. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could say the, the offensive struggles start with him because think about it last year without his 62 home runs, you know, we probably, we definitely don't win the division and maybe we don't even win the, we don't even get in as a wild card last year. He's that important. And you know, the big contract, maybe I don't think that's, you know, weighing on him at all. I just think maybe playing center field a lot, you know, just doing every game and that might be, it might be physically taxing on him a little bit too much. I know last year he did play and it didn't tax him at all, but there's a year later, you know, maybe when Bader comes back and he's playing right field more on a regular basis and things are back to a normal routine for him, maybe he'll, maybe he'll bounce back. I, he'll definitely bounce back. It's just a matter of when, yeah. um, listen, I, as a Yankee fan, and I'm sure you as a Red Sox fan, there are players that just start off slow, right? Sometimes. Yeah. I've seen it many times, you know, Mattingly. If anybody watched him play the first April, even into most of May, he was horrible. When you guys got Chino. Yeah. 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 I mean, these guys would just, they were, they were just slow starters for whatever reason. Maybe the weather wasn't warm enough. I don't know, but... They just started off slow, but then once it got warmer, late May, these guys got hot. So I, I'm I'm not worried about Judge. I'm more worried about just the just the offense as a whole. I, I know he's a main part, but just the rest of the guys, you know, these other guys like Torres has to hit, especially with Stanton out and Donaldson, you know, whatever. But these guys got to hit, you know, a guy like Torres. I, you can't expect Volpe to come in and hit 280. As a as a you know twenty two year old rookie, right? So, you know you like to hit him, be- see him hit better than one eighty six, and he will. He'll get better. I mean, it's but he's a rookie. He's a kid. You know you got to expect that. Now you got Peraza playing. He's another young kid, and he's playing at a position. He's playing third base. He, he actually, actually looked at third. So far, not bad. I mean, he's not bad. It's just you know the hitting wise, we got to see more at it. We got to see more out of Peraza and more out of. Uh, Volpe offensively, you know, they can't hit, you know, 125. I mean, if, if you're, if you're playing them every game, um, Peraza and Volpe, we're going to have to expect this for a while. You know, we have to ride it out. You know, everybody, you know, all the fans play the kids, play the kids. Well, they're playing them. And, but this is what you got to expect. They're not going to come up and be, you know, like Julio Rodriguez was last year going 40, 40 right? You're not going to see that. That's, that's like a once in a lifetime uh, deal here. So um, um, that I I'm more worried about the offense than anything else, you know, and we kind of heard good news, bad news, I guess, from the Rodon with his back. I was going to ask you about him and Bader. Yeah. uh, Well, Rodon, they said he's going to start playing catch again and, you know, start his thing back up. They're, They're saying, Best case scenario, we probably won't see him until June. Oh, wow. To go, you know, there was no structural damage in the back. He's got a sore back or whatever. Back is barking, as Boone would say. Um, But uh, so, hey, if we get him back in June and he's fine the rest of the way, I'll take it. You know what I mean? We'll be fine. Uh, Bader started his rehab assignment uh, Saturday, I think, or Sunday. Um, He was in double A, so... I, I don't know how many games he's going to need. I would think at most a week, right, for a rehab assignment for a, a batter. 
Yeah. Um, the most. Yeah. So I think by the end of by the end of this week or the beginning of next week, we should get Bader back. That'll be awesome. Um, having him in center field every game and you know, and putting Judge back in right. And hopefully they figure out left field, man. I think it's it's so frustrating because we had this problem last year and they did nothing, you know, in the in the offseason to fix this issue. You know, they let Carpenter go, fine, but they brought in nobody. You know, we basically got the same team as last year, which is great. We made it to the ALCS, but let's get a little better. Let's get somebody in left field. Let's get a big bat out there. Now, I think eventually, and you, you know, you know it, it, it'll it'll come. There's gonna be a trade coming. This the way that the roster is right now, with this glut of infield right now, is is gonna it, it's gonna eventually, you know figure itself out. Someone's going to, someone's going to get hurt. Like Donaldson got hurt, but someone else is either going to get hurt or someone's going to get traded because it's just like, there's too many pieces for the holes right now. And we don't have a piece for the one hole in left field. Cause left field's like a black hole right now, <laughs> whoever goes there, like whether it's Cabrera, whether it's Hicks, uh, Cordero, um, you know, like I said, Calhoun, I don't, he's been DH. I don't even think he, they put him in the outfield because he's not that good. So that makes it, that makes his spot even worse. If you're only going to DH him and he's batting 136, I mean, yeah, you can't keep doing that. No. And he's not a guy that you're like, oh, I hope we don't lose him. We can't send him down. So just DFA him. Like, who cares? You got no money invested in him. What do you got? A million dollars or whatever the league minimum is? I mean, just cut them and just bring up somebody or just, like I said, use Hicks every day. Just use him. What's the worst that's going to happen? He's going to go 0 for 18. <laughs> that's what we're getting anyway. So just put him out there. See what happens, you know? And so at least that's that. Um, I think that's the only injury updates we had this week, other than, other than just waiting on, you know, a couple more weeks, I think, for um, – Will Loiza get to return? Um, and there was no setbacks with Sevy, so I think he might start a rehab assignment next week also, or at the end of this week. I, I, he had one more ball pin or something like that, and then then he's going to start his um, rehab. So if there's a ball pin this week, five days after, I guess, it would be his first start down in single A or double A, wherever they're going to start him. So maybe he'll be back in a couple of weeks, you know, maybe by the middle of May. Okay. So yeah. how do you guys look on the injury side? Um, not, not too bad. Right now, the biggest one is James Paxton. And again, if he doesn't, if he pitches great, it's just an added bonus. But if he doesn't, it's, it is what it is at this point. Right. He's going to make his latest minor league rehab appearance tomorrow for AAA. So if all goes well there, he could be up in the big league on the big league roster as early as I would say next week. And that gives another lefty. Uh, and that just means you have more options with Bayo. That would bring it and Paxton. That would bring the starting rotation up to seven. Um, I don't know who the odd man out is. I would think it would be Hauk. Um, put him back in the bullpen, but he's been pitching well. I mean, there's no 
other than sale, there's no real indicator of who's not, of who's going to stay in the rotation, I should say. So right. it's going to be interesting when Paxton is ready. And then other than that, Reese McGuire was not in the starting lineup, but he just took a foul tip off his hand and he Ooh. had x-rays afterwards and they were negative. So he'll probably, they said he should be available for a game in Baltimore. So other than that, they're pretty healthy. That's not bad. <laughs> That's all you could ask for, right? Yep. You and know, then, okay. before, I'm sorry. Yeah. Why don't we get to Vladimir Guerrero? Because I think I sent it to you. I, I, I don't know if, did he mention it was something in his family that he would never be a Yankee? Yeah. I, I don't know why. Was that because did his father want to sign with the Yankees or, or something as a free agent? I'm trying to think. Yeah, that might be it. And I read somewhere, I forgot where I read it, but something where the Yankees decided to sign Sheffield instead of him, maybe. Ooh, okay. So that kind of makes sense. But still, like, who cares? That's when, you know, George Steinbrenner was here. Yeah. Like you're, you're, uh, it, it's so different than, you know, with the Griffey thing, where Griffey said, I'll never play for the Yankees. I mean, that that was a lot more deep-routed, rooted right reason you know what i mean yeah. this is just what because the team didn't want wanted to sign gary sheffield instead of you okay yeah i didn't get it either and whatever and listen as a yankee fan i really don't care if he doesn't i don't care if another player says oh i don't want to sign him with the yankees okay we didn't ask you but like i don't <laughs> like it doesn't matter to me if a guy doesn't want to sign with us you know like whatever like that's i'm not it's not something i was like ooh. I can't wait till Vladimir Guerrero becomes a free agent because I want right. the Yankees to sign him. I really what don't care. <laughs> the deal he made of, I I don't I still don't think that ball really hit him. Oh, who knows? Yeah, because he was he was like barking at the pitcher and taking his time going up the line. Do yeah. you think there's anything there as far as a rivalry, or is it just one of those things Toronto has just got to mature and? It's a little bit of both, you know, we're divisional rivals right now. Right. I mean, it, yeah. it is what it is. And we're two teams that are towards the top of the division, whichever, you know, it's, it's bound to happen. And like you said, it, it, immaturity. Sure. Absolutely. That, that plays a part in it, but there's also that rivalry now where they have to do so, you know, like they've been this young hungry team the last couple of years. And we've been not just us, but a lot of people have been expecting this team to do well in the playoffs and they haven't yet. So, you know, there's always a lot of talk about them doing well, but they don't in the big spot in the, in the playoffs. Right. And what do they see? They see the Yankees doing well. They see Boston winning a World Series, a couple being in the World Series a couple of years ago. You know, they see Tampa always in the playoffs. So, and then you got Baltimore coming up. Like, this is the time where Toronto has to do something, right? They, they were really busy in free agency led this past offseason, right? They signed Galsman. They sound. Uh, they signed um, the other pitcher from the Mets. Um, oh, Bassett. Chris Bassett. So they were busy. They made the trade. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez. They brought in uh, Swanson, the, the pitcher. So they they were busy, and they they weren't making that to make the playoffs. They were doing that to get to the World Series. So there's, yeah. you know, I don't want to say there's pressure, but there's maybe yeah, there is pressure, right? Because this team has been the young, up and coming team for the last three years. 
Okay. Yeah. Now let's see, you know, like now let's see something about it. So, and I think they're feeling it for a young team. That's a little immature. I think they're feeling a little bit of the pressure now, you know? So when they play the Yankees or when they play Boston, Tampa, when they play the tough teams or when they play Houston, um, yeah, I think it's going to get, it might get like this all the time. And I think there's uh there might be a brawl in the, in the future for these, for these teams. I could see it. And I'm looking at the standings, the two hottest teams in baseball, other than Tampa, Baltimore and Pittsburgh. That's uh, <laughs> something that's, we that's, didn't think. <laughs> yeah. <it's> something <clears throat> started to get uh, Houston's one, four straight. Also, um, who else? The the National League West is just nobody really wants that division yet. No, if Colorado's only six games out and they're in last place, that's yeah. that tells you everything. You know, um, I think it'll start to level off, right? I think San Diego, they're going to start playing better. The team I'm not, I don't know about, I don't want to say worried, but I'm not confident about anymore is the Dodgers. Right. When you look yeah, at that team, like I was never completely sold on them, but I still thought that they were going to win like, you know, high 80s, maybe 90 wins. Right. Become a wild card team. Yeah. And but I don't I mean, know. They're asking a lot out of Freeman and Mookie Betts. And look, they, they're great players, but there's there's a couple holes in that lineup. Oh, no doubt. You know, I know Will Smith's out, but still like and Betts hasn't been great. No, you no. Know? He hasn't been his usual self. Uh, Muncie's bounced back from last year, but you know, and Altman's been really good for them, but you know, Peralta's done nothing for them. He's back two away with a home run and six RBIs. Uh, Miguel uh, Vargas, not much either. Um, injured, right? So, yeah, Trace Thompson, yeah, that's not a good lineup. No, when you look at even if. Look, give him Mookie's going to be fine, right? He'll be back to what he yep. is. So he'll be fine. Freddie Freeman will be fine. Will Smith. But still, the rest of that lineup, there's not yeah, much like there. Half the lineup. Yeah. The half that it is, is great. It's just you, that second half of the lineup is you can pitch through it. And you know what? It puts a lot of pressure on the pitchers who have been pretty good. You know, Urias is great. Um, Clayton Kershaw is just amazing. You know, yeah. he's just... He just keeps I saw the game where he got his 200th win. Yeah. Against the Mets. That was incredible. Yeah. I mean, the guy's just amazing. I mean, you're talking about one of the best pitchers we've seen. But they still don't have a closer. Right. <laughs> Who is that? Their closer is, oh, Evan Phillips. Oh, no. He's on, oh, the breathing list. Okay. So they've been going with one game, they went with Gratterall. Another game, they've been doing it by committee. They only have four saves all year so far yeah. as a team. Two of them went to Evan Phillips. You said Gratterall and Andre Jackson has one as well. Yeah, Gratterall got the save on Sunday, yesterday. Yeah. It was a, it was a four-run save. So. I think it's it might be time to start thinking about, because I, I look at Syndergaard and how he's pitching. Maybe he might be better off in the bullpen. Syndergaard, or they might, you know, Yankee fans will love this name. They might call up Kansas City and say, give us Chapman. <laughs> He's actually pitching well, so yeah. um, surprisingly. And maybe, hopefully, 
Colorado keeps falling out of it, and you get Daniel Bard on the cheap, but you don't right. know what you get with him. Well, San Fran, San Fran, I don't know. That's another team. I, I wasn't impressed when I seen them the first week when when they played us, and I'm still not. It hasn't gotten better. Yeah, I'm just not impressed so, by this team at all. Not good. And they got some names where you talk about at the trade deadline, you know, maybe a Jock Peterson might interest people. They're getting you know. back Mitch Hanniger and another bat Slater this week. So we'll see. Okay. But they're they're just it's feast or famine for them. I think right. they're leading the league in strikeouts and home runs. Hmm. But it's a lot of solo home runs and and their and their defense has been pretty bad so far. Right. Because they're just an older team. It's just if you hit it to them, they'll make the play, but there's not much range. Right. I gotcha. So yeah, so that's the team, uh, the team that's gonna have uh, to me a, a really interesting week is Houston. They play at Tampa and then they finish the week off against Philadelphia. Wow. That that's a that's a tough week. Yeah, and they started they started playing better, right? Yeah. yeah, they're up to they won a couple in a row, I think four in a row. They're two and a half behind the Rangers. So they're kind of waiting in the weeds quietly, but I think Houston will be all right. But we'll, you know, at yeah. some point you, you are what your record says you are. Right. I still think it's early, you know, especially yeah. if it's like, look at Seattle. Seattle's below 500 right now, 10 and 12. That's a team that's got to bounce back. I can't see them being below 500 for the whole year. Same thing with the Cardinals, 9 and 13. Yeah. Something, I, I was watching a video of uh, um, Orinato batting and he did not look good batting like maybe he's hurt or something so there's something up with that team because that's a team that i I thought you know my 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 prediction was that we only has two home runs he is batting 284 but yeah no i mean it's it's an older team but not a bad team i mean they're really good um and they got a it's it's weird. They got a couple of veterans, but then they also got a lot of good young players on top of that. Yeah. Right. You still got Jordan Walker, the rookie. You got Tyler O'Neill, Lars Newbarb, who's who's playing well too. You know, and then you got Tommy Edmond, Brandon Donovan. So and they signed Contreras. So I mean, it's it's gotta be a the, the, I I think they're definitely bouncing back. It's just a matter of time, but they're they got to bounce back. I can't see what, them, uh, you know. What did you think about the Scherzer incident? Incident. Um, I, I I listen. I don't think he's a cheater. I don't think he's one of those that's using some foreign substance. I think I, they got to straighten out the rule. I think that's that's what they have to do, right? Because you could use you could use um, the rosin. Now, the rosin mixed with alcohol becomes a sticky substance, right? Yeah. So what happened was, at least from what what was told, he you know, he was told to clean his hand off because it was too sticky. So they made him use alcohol. They told him to use alcohol. Not he didn't do it on his own. They told him use alcohol to clean your hand because water's not going to do enough. So they he used the alcohol, but now alcohol mixed with rosin makes a really sticky uh it's sticky. So when they when he was done with that, they checked him again and he was more sticky. 
So, okay. yeah. So now I, I think what they got to do is stop letting these guys do stuff in, in the dugout. Like, don't put rosin down there. You can't use rosin, can't use alcohol, nothing. The only rosin you could use is on the mound, and that's it. And I think something like that happened last week with Herman when they were playing Minnesota, where um, they told him, all right, go go clean your hands. And he went to go clean his hands, and then that was it. And but he was put the same fire both times. Oh, maybe. I think it was Phil Cuzzy both times. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's they said the last three people that got ejected. Wow. Phil Cuzzy. That's interesting. Yeah. (laughs) That kind of tells you something there. I mean, I I personally don't think he should have got thrown out because of that, because they're telling him what to do and he was doing it. So unless it's a foreign substance, you can't, you know, how are you gonna throw the guy out? Yeah. You know, it to me it, it makes it, it makes no sense. So, um, and then he didn't fight it, I think, because he knew, you know, it's, it's not an independent, um, person judging it. So he knew he had no shot at winning it. So, Hey, you know what, take your 10 days off and swallow your pride a little bit. And, but I think the league and the union has to get together and figure this out and say, okay, we can't put stuff in the dugout for the, pictures to use you can only use the stuff on the mound you know because obviously there's there's a problem here and obviously a problem with the uh the umpire who's who's responsible for this yeah if i read that right that that's a that's a big thing yeah so i i think uh they got to figure it out you know the league and the union got to figure something out here and then did you catch the um i don't know if it was new but i caught the documentary on tito francona I caught a little bit of it. I didn't watch the whole thing. It was really good. I mean, yeah. soft spot for him, but it was it was an interesting story. He's got an interesting life story and like a baseball lifer and a character off the field and just a just a good baseball guy. Hmm. So you it's know, definitely, I, definitely worth a watch for anyone. Yeah. I de- I definitely will. I, it was on the other day, and I forgot something else was on, and I I should have dvr'd it to watch it later but i'll I'll catch it again um i i was thinking about this the other day and then i thought about it again today and i said i gotta bring it up to you um with the whole thing with otani right let's say he goes into free agency um and he's willing to pitch on the east coast don't you think i like i'm thinking now like i right now i think boston because they really have no I don't want to say direction. That's not the right word. They have no nucleus right now. Like there's no like. Yeah, they're building around Devers and that's it. Right. So I think they're waiting. They're kind of waiting in in the weeds. I think they're going to make a run at Otani. If he's willing to pitch on the, on the East Coast. I know. I, yeah, I think the two teams that I thought, and I definitely thought that the Dodgers were kind of clearing their books for Otani. Yeah. And I also thought that a little bit of the Bogarts thing was hopefully was looking ahead to Otani because I know he's a New Balance guy and New Balance is in Boston, the headquarters and whatever that's worth. Right. If he's willing to come to the East Coast, that's just going to up his offer. I mean, I would say that the Yankees, the Mets, the Red Sox, and then you have the Dodgers and maybe the Mariners. Right. 
I, I, for me, I, I thought from the, like, it just started hitting me. I'm like, Boston is doing this because Boston doesn't have any big contracts really no, on the books either. Years of sale. Okay. That's not too bad. Story is already down to, after this year, he's down to four years on his contract. Okay. I think it's four years, a hundred million. All right. That's not, that's 25 a year, right? Yeah. So after that, it's, you're looking at Yoshida with four years left on his deal. Um, other than that, everybody else is arbitration eligible. Yeah. So I, I could see, like, I don't think the Yankees are going to go after him because of that, because they don't really have that wiggle room to add 50, $60 million a year on one guy, you know, even the though it's what they could was because if they start playing so many young kids, Yes, but they, I, I, right. But I mean, they brought up, say you bring up Trey Sweeney and you have an infield of Sweeney, Volpe, Peraza. You bring up Austin Wells as a backup catcher or a backup first baseman. Yeah. Then you, then you're starting to, but yeah, to your point, 60 million is a lot. (laughs) It is. That's that's going to be a lot. And even with the Yankees, with like like you said, I'm not even talking about those guys. But think about the money that they already have. You have Cole, right? You have Cole. You have Stanton. You have Judge. Those three guys alone, you're talking about a hundred million dollars. Those three guys. Yeah. So if you had Cole, Stanton, Judge, and Otani, and Rodon, right? I'm not even right there, that alone. Those five guys would be like top ten in salary. Right, those guys, and then you throw in, you add in a guy like DJ LeMahieu making fifteen million. Yep. Yeah. No, I got you. It's so it's it's tough, and then you still got Hicks at making ten million. So yeah. it adds up, and then that's just five or six guys we're talking about, and we're talking about close to two hundred million dollars, or not two hundred million, but yeah. you know, one hundred fifty, and then you add him. Yeah, with with Otani, that's about two hundred million dollars on. Yep. Six guys, seven guys. That's not. That's not great, you know. That's not how you build a, uh, no. you know, a roster. So, <laughs> I still think the Yankees would make the call just to see. Yeah, and I think the, just what the just to see what the price is, what the asking price is. And I think to you know what to maybe up his price a little bit too. Yep. They'll say, oh yeah, we're in it, we're in it, you know, just to make Boston or the Mets or whoever, reason, L.A., you know, San Diego. I, I I was reading about Otani and I. One of the teams that I heard that th- doesn't make sense is the Giants. Yeah, I yeah, I agree. I don't understand. That would be a lateral move. Why would you go from the Angels to the Giants? Right. You, you yeah, I don't like that at all. Unless the Giants listen, unless the Giants start playing well this year and they bring up a couple of young, you know, Joey Bart starts turning into Buster Posey and but I mean, you know, look, I don't I know. know it's not an individual game, but if Otani is, if he's looking around and saying, I can't win with Trout and Rendon and myself, <laughs> right. now I'm going to go with Joey Bart. Right. <laughs> That's true. I'll t- I mean, I'll I can t- see why the Giants would be in on it because the Giants are a, definitely a directionless team. Yeah, exactly. I- I'll be honest. The-, the team I would love to see him go to is a team like Pittsburgh. Like, I wish Pittsburgh and for me, like, even if, as a, as the owner of the Pirates, even if I knew I had z- less than z- zero shot 
at signing this guy or him even accepting my offer, I would put out an offer for him just so that my fans could see like, hey, you know what? He's trying, yeah. you know, even if it's less than everybody else, even if it's well, say imagine, only. Imagine you know, the Angels fall out of it even further and Baltimore comes in with a trade. They're, they're the team to do it too. Because Baltimore, I know Jackson Holiday just already is up to, he got promoted to advanced A ball. So by the end of the year, he'll be probably be in double A. Hmm. Uh, shortstop, Matt Holiday's kid, the number one right. pick. Um, you have a bunch of young players. Will they do it? I doubt it, but. But no, but that's something to think about. You know, maybe they throw in a guy like Grayson Rodriguez to headline that deal. Right. Him and two or three other good prospects. I guess. Yeah. Right. You throw him Rodriguez two, maybe holiday and one other top prospect and you give him Ryan Mountcastle. Not that that's a big thing, but. Right. Still, it's something. Yeah. Three top five prospects and a regular first baseman or whatever yep. Mountcastle is, you know, that's not bad. I, I would do that, you know, and see, see if they bite. You never know. But that's the kind of offer you're going to have to do. Like the Padres, if they're in it, they're going to have to move big names too. And think about all the guys that they just gave up to get Soto. Yeah. You know, maybe they use Soto as, as trade. Yeah, that would be, that would be the big one. Soto for Otani. Oof. I, I, the angels would want a lot more than that, but that's really not a bad start. Yeah. I, I think we mentioned it before Soto and a pitcher, uh, like a major league pitcher. Right. For Otani, maybe a prospect too. Three for one trade. Yeah, that might work. It's uh, to me, it's, it's, I, I said, Carson, Otani, his right now, he could be a $600 million guy. Oh, no doubt. Like when, when he hits, whether he gets traded or if he hits free agency, yeah, that's that's the kind of deal we're looking at this offseason for him. Ten but years. Will he take the most money, or is he going to go somewhere where he wants to win, obviously, where he can make the most money uh, off the field? Well, how many terms setting him up, where he's comfortable living? Well, we got to think about it this way. What teams can offer him that kind of money? Right. Right, the New York teams. Um, Boston, maybe. I still see the Mets, the Dodgers at the end of the day. Padres. Yep. And I think Boston. Because Boston. Who the Padres are getting their money from. I don't know. That's, you know what? They're not a, they're not a, um, a small market, but they're not a big market either. They're kind no. of in the middle. Um, the reason why I think Boston, because Boston has a little bit of a, a little bit of a handicap with their with their stadium, right? Because they don't have a large, they don't. I don't think they generate as much money for their stadium as other teams do. So I think they and take it's a, the most expensive place to watch a game because it's such a smaller crowd. Right. And I think they need a player like that to kind of offset some of the yeah. losses. And I think that's why they're going to go big for him. You know, and he would be crazy to say, oh, I don't want to go to the East Coast again. If he says that again, then I think he's an idiot. You know, even if he doesn't want to go there. He's going to lower his price. Right. Yeah, don't say that. When you got 
Cohen is going to outbid anybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's going to raise the price up to God knows what. You know, maybe Steinbrenner gets involved. And like I said, Boston's definitely going to get involved. And who knows? Yeah, like you said, maybe Boston at Baltimore just to get the price up. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, without a doubt. And I think Baltimore is going to get involved too because they don't have much payroll, right? No. Let me see. Their payroll's... Uh... What? No. This can't be right. $64 million? Really? That's what their payroll is this year. Huh. $64 million. A little bit more because you got a couple of guys on the, on the IL, but... Right. And you figure that'll go up a little bit with arbitration next year. Yeah. But let's say a hundred thousand dollars, a hundred million, hundred thousand, hundred million dollars is their payroll. Let's say. Yeah. With the raises, it may not even be that much, but they're still below any salary cap tax or something like that, which is incredible to think about if they could just sign him. What kind of a. Yeah. Oh my God. What kind of an impact that would be. On that team, I mean, I mean, you you look at some of the other teams. I don't know who else could be in this. I don't know who could you know swim in that water, basically, right? Like, yeah, it's uh, definitely the deep end. Yeah, like Toronto. I don't know if yeah, maybe Toronto can. I don't think the Braves. They don't seem like the type to do that. The range, well, the Rangers have spent money, but I don't think they're going to spend it on him now. Um, I'm t- I I like today and yesterday. I was thinking about. It. I'm like Boston's going to Boston's laying in the weeds here and they're going to make a move on on Otani. I don't think they can make do you think they can make a good enough trade offer for him? No, right? I don't think so. Like no. Meyer and who else? Yeah, it would be Meyer. I, the the lack of pitching depth, young pitching in the in the farm system is what's going to kill him. Yeah. They could give him some intriguing bats but yeah it's I, like who's i think i think a team like baltimore could sweep in and it, even a team like san diego if they wanted to a team like st louis right even the mets could trade off and pay whatever price they wanted yeah yeah it's gonna be interesting man that, that's he's he is the story of the season in every possible way, right? With the trade yeah. deadline, how he's playing, because he's doing things that nobody else has done. He's just, he's his unreal. And he's having such a great season too, on top yep. of that. So it's it's something that, you know, we're going to keep an eye on for the rest of the season. They're playing 500 ball, which is basically what we kind of thought they would anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so they're one of the teams that are playing where we thought, <laughs> um, or where most people thought. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting, man. I was thinking about it. I'm like, he, Boston's going to be in on this if, like I said, if if see, I mean, I can't count it out, but it, they're definitely going to kick the tires, and they're one of the teams that can wade into that deep end of the pool. Yeah, absolutely. They got the money; they could definitely make a move. So, um, so I got in on this day in history, and it, and it's the Yankees and the Red Sox. No, oh, that's good. Yeah, it's at Fenway. They played a game, and it was a no-hitter for George Mogridge 
of the Yankees. And in the lineup for the Yankees was Wally Pipp. Wow. But what made this game interesting was it was a two to one game. Both player, both pitchers threw a complete game. Boston's run hit error line score was one run on zero hits with four errors. That's you don't see that every day. Wow. And the Yankees had two runs on eight hits and three errors. And the thing that makes this game crazy is it was only guess guess the attendance. What do you you think it was like? 10,000, 20,000. It was 3,200. Oh my God. 3,200. 3,219 people saw a Yankees Red Sox game in Fenway. Wow. It's, I, I saw that and I was like, okay. How, what was the, uh, how many people could watch a game at Fenway back then? Back right? in the, that's a good point. Um, <laughs> but still. Right. You got to assume. I mean, pro- I would say if you take off, obviously you take off the monster seats, you take out the upper deck, you're still looking probably at like 20,000. Yeah. 20, 000. 20. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Because, yeah. right. And before the wall was built, right, we did, there was. They used to sit on a hill over there. I don't know if there were actual. Yeah, they used to. Apparently, they put up the hill because there was a car dealership. Right. Yeah, I I learned that last last summer. It it was incredible. Yeah, with the whole and the wall wasn't high enough, so they put the fence up on top of the wall. It's (laughs) it's actually. uh, It's incredible how baseball kind of backs into these things that become like iconic. Yeah. And then the other thing for on this day was a bunch of, a bunch of really good ball players are born on this day. Um, get it right. I know what's his name, Chipper Jones, Omar Vizquel, and Carlos Beltran. Okay, you got one Hall of Famer, one probably not Hall of Famer because of his off the right. field stuff. But Beltran, I think, gets Beltran in eventually. Will eventually, get in, and Chipper is Chipper. Yeah, Chippers is yeah. <laughs> One of the great ones, obviously. Um, and then, you know, again, I'm a sucker for these old time names. Some <laughs> of the other guys that were born on this day. Dixie Parker. <laughs> and Pug Griffin. Pug as in the dog. Right. Yeah. But yeah. And then I just go into a like I said before on one of these episodes, I can go down a rabbit hole on baseball reference. Yeah. Oh, me, I love it. And just real quick, this guy, Dixie Parker, was a catcher and a pinch hitter for uh, what's the Phillies. Uh, uh, yep, Phillies, yep. He only played he in four games. Five at bats. Five at bats. He had one hit. Hey, he got an RBI there. So there you go. Pretty impressive. If anybody wants to find him, he's buried in Green Pond Cemetery in Green Pond, Alabama. Oh, I thought you were going to say he's still alive. No, no. That if would anybody be, wants to email him. That would be very, yeah, right. If, you can find him on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you see? I, uh, I, don't, I don't have a trivia, but I seen this and I said, we got to talk about it a little bit. Um, did you see the, who the pirates are bringing up? Yes. This guy named Drew Maggie. He's 33 years old. He 
He's been in the it's minor incredible. leagues for 13 seasons. Uh, played in 1,155 minor league games since 2010. Wow. Um, and they're bringing him up because Brian Reynolds is going on the bereavement list. Yeah, um, and Shelton did it pretty well. I, I heard he did like a huge speech and saying, you know, our team is like, you can't count us out and people are, it's us against the world and yeah, nosed and gritty. And he kind of like laid it all out there. And then he said, Oh, by the way, we're bringing up this kid. Mm, that's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, it's a good story. Yeah. Between Reynolds and then they, they cleared a Ross's spot because they put Jima and Choi in the 60 day yeah. IL. So yeah, I mean, 13 seasons in minor leagues, he did come up, he did make the Twins roster in 2021, but he never never appeared in the game. So, but you know what? Good for him, man. Yeah. Uh, 33 years old and finally making it. And and now he gets a pen. Oh, no, he was, I was going to say, he was in the Minnesota game. Because I think you play one game and you get a pension. Oh, Is that really? Okay? I, thought, I, I thought if it was one game. One game or a couple of games. I forgot what it's not. A, it's not a lot to to get a pension and stuff. Okay, major league pension. Yeah, so good for him. Yeah, yeah, it's a great story, cool. and it's one of those stories that watch. He'll he'll come up and hit a walk off for some, you know, one of these games, and then hopefully he can make a make a go of it in the majors. But he's definitely achieved his goal. Yeah, no, that would be awesome. And this is episode, we are on uh, episode, sorry, uh, episode nine, that was episode 94. So we are, we're getting closer to 100 and um, the Red Sox are playing the Indy, the Guardians and the Orioles this week. So that's what I'm looking forward to. And you can find us at Talking Rivals on Twitter talkingrivals.com, uh, sportswire radio at sportnarium.com backslash player. And I'm at Patrick Trotty on Twitter. And Chris is at CP7NY at Twitter. And um, till next episode, enjoy the games. See you later.